Episode number 132 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us coming up on today's show. Going to be joined by the one and only Infield Jen set to join us. The <laughs> first female to fuel a NASCAR race car in an Xfinity and truck race. We will share Jen's fascinating story as she made history in the world of NASCAR and in motorsports and catch up to what she's doing now and uh, what's going on with her and Brian and everybody. So it should be a great chat when Jen joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. We'll also take a look at the latest headlines around the sport as we near the finish line of the NASCAR playoffs. And we already know two have clinched with Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, who will join them in the championship four. We'll break that down with a look ahead to this weekend's race. Also, We'll uh, have our Ask David segment. We'll answer questions that you guys submit to us coming up at the end of today's show. David Starr with us. David, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, anytime we get a chance to chat. Christopher Bell with a big-time win. And I got to tell you, David, uh, CB, he's really turned it on in crunch time uh, the last couple of weeks. Could have won the week prior. Came right down to the very end. Here he is He making some noise here, He, he making his case to, to win a championship uh talk about ter- getting hot at the right time he's doing just that boy he is you can't ever count out christopher bell that joe gibbs racing you know it was kind of interesting he was man he's been lots of speed like you said tyler just uh man the timing's good and uh they're hitting their stride right at what really counts you know and it's kind of interesting to see who two uh incredible sprint car racers uh you know when i think of midgets and sprint cars i think of uh Kyle Larson and, and C. Bell, you know what I mean? And uh, these guys are uh, have punched their way into that championship race and Phoenix come up in a couple of weeks. And uh, it's going to be interesting to uh, this weekend at Martinsville to see uh, who uh, who will be joining them. You know what I mean? There's a lot at stake and uh, kind of interesting how the race played out uh, Sunday. Yeah, for sure. And Dominic Olegon joins us right now as well. Dom, the way Christopher Bell has been running as of late, I mean, he's been running good all year, don't get me wrong, but the performance stepped up the last couple of weeks. We've seen this in the past where it's not necessarily about how you did if you dominated in the regular season. It's about getting hot at the right time, and that's what we're seeing with that 20 team right now. We certainly are. We've seen Christopher Bell and that number 20 team just really kick butt in qualifying where it starts on Saturday. And that gives you some momentum for Sunday when you can get the good pit stall selections, be able just to, to, to lay back more on your team and know that they've got your back. And that's what Christopher Bell said they needed to do in the playoffs, that they needed to make sure that they were firing on all cylinders as a team, driver included, and sounded like a natural leader when you hear that. But to actually piece a great race together like they did at Homestead, they led the laps that counted. It didn't matter what the rest of the field did. Kyle Larson led the most laps. We saw what happened with the sand barrels. Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. literally imploding as Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell rises to the top while these other two teammates falter. So he did it when it counted most. They put a full race together. And because of that, and because of what they've been able to accomplish these last nine weeks, we're seeing Christopher Bell race for a championship in Phoenix next weekend, or two weekends from now, I should say. 
Yeah. So now Byron and Bell uh, are locked in to that championship four, two spots up for grabs heading to this weekend. We'll preview it more coming up later. But uh, David, looking at those two that have their lock, their their spots are locked up, William Byron, and Christopher Bell. How much of a relief is it for these two to head into Martinsville already knowing they're going to be in the championship four here? Tyler, I think you meant Kyle Larson. Oh that. yeah, Scott Larson. Thank you. <laughs> Good catch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these uh, man, that's uh, you know, it's, it's all about no mistakes. You know, who can uh, like Christopher Bell? This his team. They they're hitting all the light cylinders, and uh, they they led the most most important lap Sunday uh, was the last lap. But you know, it's interesting uh, to watch Denny Hamlin and see Mark Truex. You know, it seemed like. Uh, you know, they've had some challenges, some issues there, but but Steve Bell with the, the other car is just unbelievable, man. Like you like, like the, Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure, for sure, David. Uh I'll say this real quick. I, I know that I got ahead of myself on the William Byron thing here, Dom. Um, William Byron, uh, with the points that he's at, I mean, it would it would take a collapse on his part not to advance to the next round with one race and two spots. William Byron's in a pretty interesting position where may you know try just basically don't make mistakes, and and he should be in good shape. You think so? And here's a past winner at Martinsville. Really, what you got to do, Tyler, if you're William Byron, play the stage points. Maybe flip the stages depending on how the strategy works out. And you go out there and you can earn 15, 16 stage points that could really, really pay off well because you never know what happens in that third stage. Like we saw with Denny Hamlin at the Roval being able to pick up stage points, having his issue finishing last, but that didn't matter because he had enough points to advance. William Byron's sitting in an interesting and peculiar spot, but you go out and win. Any of these six guys got and win. It's a null and void point, but crazy to think, Tyler, that we're not going to have somebody like Martin Truex and Denny Hamlin and William Byron in the championship four. At least one of them is going to get snubbed and certainly the cream of the crop this year in 2023. But we'll have to find out after 500 laps Sunday at Martinsville. Yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Dom, our, our guest that joins us this week, a fascinating story. And we've had people from all walks of life in motorsports, from drivers to crew chiefs to team owners to broadcasters up and down the line. Uh, but this is as unique and cool of a story as I think we've possibly ever shared on this show, Dom. Oh, absolutely. And, and we know we have a diehard NASCAR fan base that listens to this show every week. And, and if you watch our show, chances are she's worked with one of your favorite drivers or has worked with multiple of your favorite drivers. Hailing from the state of New York, more specifically the borough of Brooklyn, New York City, Jen Calandrillo is joining us this week on Let's Go Racing. She moved. She took a chance on herself, originally working as a bank as a manager at a bank, to take a chance on herself, to go down to North Carolina and want to work in the sport. She did that in 2010. She ended up working with Brian Keselowski, I believe, as her first driver with public relations and continued on the journey she has to work with different drivers. To now, most recently, even NBC Sports and Dustin Long, a friend of the show, really spotlighting and showing what she has done with fueling race cars in the Xfinity Series and the NASCAR camp, camp, excuse me, Craftsman Truck Series as of recent. So you, you all know her as Infield Jen. 
Infill Jen, we really appreciate you taking the time to come join Let's Go Racing this week with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get to all that, you got to take us back to the beginning. Where did it all start for me? Oh, boy. Brooklyn, how does somebody <laughs> from that part of the country become a NASCAR fan? Mm -hmm. What's that interest? I used to go out with somebody that was really into it. And um, I was like learning about it. And I said, well, this is what he's going to do on Sunday. I better like, you know, pay attention. So I started watching it, started getting into it. And he was a big Dale Senior fan. So I was a Jeff Gordon fan, you know, just kind of for the rivalry of it. Um, then I became a Dale Jr. fan. And, you know, the rest, the rest is kind of history. Once you learn like about the points and you learn, you learn the other drivers and the, you know, all the things that go on in the track. And it's not just, you know, people going in circles. Um, you kind of got into it. And then I really got into it. And I was like, wow. Well, I we went to my first race in 2004. I went to Pocono, sat in the grandstands. And I remember going, looking across, you know, the way and, and looking in the infield and be like, what goes on in there? I want to know. Um, not knowing what <laughs> what was in store for me. <laughs> but I said, you know, I would like to get a job doing something in there. So that kind of started it. Um, around the same time, uh, NASCAR decided that they wanted to they wanted to try to build a track in Staten Island. So I got on the committee called Cinch, uh, which was a Staten Island NASCAR hopefuls. And we were hopeful to bring the track to the greatest city. Um, we got on, I got involved with them. And we did like benefits and like we had fundraisers and all kinds of things just to promote the benefits of having a track in the city. Um, like there was... There was pretty big names that were involved with it. Um, like Donald Trump was, this was before the presidency and all that. Um, he was a, he was a big, like silent partner in it. Um, he, we had saw the blueprints on what the track would look like, uh, what they were going to do to build up like the transportation on the other side of the Island and all that good stuff. And um, it kind of came, just came down to an election year and they, basically voted it off the island. So NASCAR sold the land and whatnot. And I was like, well, if it's not coming here, <laughs> I'm going to it. So I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but it took me a couple of years, um, but I saved up enough and I, I packed up and I, I moved to North Carolina in 2010, April 2nd, 2010. I moved, you know, moved down and the search was on. <laughs> so um, I really didn't know what I was going to do, uh, but as it happened, I was, told you know going through the when i was with cinch and stuff you know nasco would give us like passes to come to the race usually at pocono and dover um so we'd go and and a lot of the started meeting people people that worked in the sport and they said well if you want to work in the sport you got to move you got to be in the area and you got to be a familiar face so i was like how am i going to become a familiar face if i live in new york and everything's down there so i started taking pictures with everybody that i met drivers you know all the big wigs of mike helton everybody if they were there, I took a picture with them. And then when I met them again, the second time I had them sign the picture, but I also handed them a resume with a little picture on it. So they remember my face. Um, I did that for about four years and it finally started to pay off. Joe Nemechek was the first one to say, hey, aren't you the girl that gave me the picture with the resume? I was like, yes. I said, that was me. I said, are you hiring this week? He says, no. I said, but you remembered me. So I said, so this is working. <laughs> and I just continued to do that until uh, even, uh, you know, after I moved down. Um, so I was, social media kind of wasn't what it was today. Uh, Dale Jr. had a social media called Infield Parking. You guys remember that? Yes, I remember that. Uh-uh. Yeah, it, it was called infill parking. 
and you had like a profile on it, just kind of sort of like like Facebook, but Facebook wasn't as popular really as as it is now. Anyhow, it was just for racing. Um, a lot of the drivers were on there, and I had my profile on there with a bunch of pictures that I I took with everybody. So this, I also had, I also did have a Facebook account at the time too, but I really wasn't as active on it as I was with, you know, the infill parking stuff. So this guy that I knew that was in marketing, he says, Hey, you're marketable. And I was like, Hey, you're nuts. <laughs> like, I have never done nothing like that. So yeah, he took all the pictures that I had on infill parking and made a Facebook page without me knowing called Jen Miss NASCAR. And he put all the pictures up on there. And all of a sudden, I just know I started getting like a lot of friend requests from people I didn't know. So I just deleted them. And he messages me a couple of days later. Uh, he actually he called me. He's like, hey, what do you think of Facebook lately? I said, ah, it's going crazy. I said, I don't, I'm getting a lot of friend requests. It's kind of weird. He's like, oh, those are your fans. I was like, fans, what are you talking about? And uh, he said, with him on the phone, he sent me the link. And I clicked the link. And there it was. And I was like, what is this? He's like, this is your fan page. He says, you had like 150 people like it overnight. He's like, go to, you got nothing to lose. And I was like, eh, all right. You know, I wasn't working in the sport yet. And I just started talking to people about racing. So that went on and that was, that was pretty good. Um, I'd say it was like, I don't know if it was, I think it was, it was in Atlanta. Um, I went to the track and a lady asked me to take a picture of Kurt Busch by his car for her. So it wasn't like I was going out of my way or anything. So I just snapped the picture. I posted it and then it went crazy. Like it went nuts. Like everyone's like, hey, if you could do that for her, can you do this for me? You could take a picture of this one by you know his car or do this. Or can you ask someone so and so this, that? And so I started going to the track like with a list. And I just started fulfilling all these fan requests. And I put it up, you know, whatever it was the question was. I the drivers answered it however they wanted. I recorded it and translate, transcribed it and posted it, and and it just kind of went crazy. So I started to, um, you know, inquire with NASCAR, like Kerry Thorpe was the uh, public relations for NASCAR. Remember that? Remember when he was doing all that? So I went to him. I was like, hey, I got all this stuff going on. You know, can you guys hire me? <laughs> you know, can we do something with this? Um, and I, I kind of knew from the get go that the Gen Miss NASCAR thing wasn't like, OK, it wouldn't be OK if like this did go anywhere. Um, so I kind of just let fans kind of dictate what I did at the, at the track. What do you want to know? What do you want to see? And hey, if I can't be known as Jen Miss NASCAR, what name should I go by? And so I took all these fan requests and one was infield Jen, like when it got narrowed down, it was infield Jen and tailgate Jen. And then infield Jen won the vote. So that, that was it, you know? And I mean, it got even tedious, like, um, hey, you want to see me glasses on or glasses off? And they voted glasses on. So I wear my glasses till this day, not contacts. Um, so it was just things like that. Like I just give like fans a place to talk, you know? And and that's how it that's how it started. So that's how I started meeting like a lot more people in the garage and whatnot. Um, I had met Brian in 2010 at Richmond for the first time. And like I got a picture with him by the car and we started talking. And before you know it, the race is going, you know, the pre-race ceremonies are going off and it's just me and him. So I'm like, oh, wow, I'm in your lineup. He's like, I was like, where's everybody else? He's like, no, it's just, just us. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, cool. So. We got to be friends after that, and um, I hadn't really heard from him or anything. So fast forward to 2011, two weeks before the 500, I literally called NASCAR, and I said, hey, what do I got to do to be considered a citizen journalist? Because that was a new program that they had had at the time. 
And they said, you know, you have to have a website, you have to have this. And I didn't have any of that, but I had a lot of people that followed me and was saying, Hey, you're going to be in Daytona. We want to meet you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, I'm working on it. You know? And I had never been to Daytona before. It was like, I really wanted to go. Anytime I ever had plans to go there, something like tragic happened. And I had to cancel plans. Like one year, like my uncle passed away. One year, my mom had a major heart attack. It was like, you know, could you guys just do this on a different weekend? <laughs> you know, like, I just want to get to Daytona. But um, yeah, so that was, that was pretty tough. Um, but yeah, two weeks so I, I, that was a Friday that I called NASCAR and they told me, I was like, man, how am I going to figure this out? So Sunday night, it was like 1030 at night. I'm literally sitting in front of my computer going, how am I going to make this happen? And all of a sudden, like on cue, it was really weird because it's like stuff like that didn't happen to me. Brian pops up in a Facebook chat and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, hey, how are you? And he's like, where are you at with everything? And I was like, what do you mean? You know, he's like, well, He's like, I need a PR person. Um, everyone seems to know who you are. I think I need your help. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't think it was really him. Because um, you don't really get hired for a PR job on Facebook at 1030 at night on a Sunday. You know, it just doesn't happen. But it, it was. And uh, he said, yeah, come to the shop on Tuesday and we'll talk. And I was like, all right. So like from Sunday to Tuesday, I was pacing back and forth. I was like, I'm going to go to this shop. He's going to want to walk in. He's going to look, think I'm crazy because I mean, he probably doesn't even know I'm coming. And um Nope. Sure enough. Tuesday rolled around. I walk in the shop and he's like, I poked my head and I was like, Hey, um, you know, I was coming here. Right. And he's like, yeah. I was like, Oh, this is real. <laughs> okay. So we go in we talk and he's pretty laid back on everything. And, um, he's like, okay, yeah. Okay. You got it. It's like, yeah. I was like, oh. so I pinched him. I was like, you felt that? He's like, yeah. It's like, cause you don't know what I've been through to try to get to this point, you know? And so I said, and just so let me just make sure I said nothing. And I mean, nothing's going to prevent us from going. Right. We're, we're definitely going. And he's like, well, yeah, he goes, that's the car. And he pointed to the car and all that's the car we're taking. And this is what we're doing. And, you know, we're going to try to make it. I was like, all right, I'm in. So I went home and called my mom and at the time, you know, and I said, listen, I don't care what happens. You don't call me until I get back. I said, don't call me at all. So uh, they were like, okay. Uh, but yeah, we went down to Daytona. Uh, he made the Daytona 500. And I mean, it was like the best. That was really my first day on the job. And it was like the best day of my life. Like nothing's come close. Um, I didn't even know how to get off the pit box. <laughs> it was I was sitting up there with his dad, his uncle and me. And I almost fell off the thing because, I, you know, we all exploded up there. And yeah, I didn't know how to get off the pit box. So that was fun. But um, But yeah, it was a really, really good day. And um, something I'll never forget, you know, and the rest is kind of history. I, I kind of just was able to show fans like what I did during the day on a team that was, you know, not a not a big team. How many different hats we had to wear. And yeah. you know, going through all that, that's kind of how it led me to start going over the wall. Um, in 2012, Brian came up to me. We were doing some ARCA racing. And Brian's like, okay, he's like, I need you to go over the wall this week with the catch can. I'm like, yeah, right. That's like what and he's like yeah i said like like fire suit and everything he's like yeah i said well i don't know what to do he's like oh you just stand there with the catch can you just you know I, so i okay so i didn't know the, i really think he was serious but until he told me to really go pick out a fire suit so i did and i the next that weekend i went over the wall for the first time ever with the with the catch can and uh in mobile alabama so that, that was, was wild. wild yeah yeah so i kind of did that part time from 2012 to 15 um and I, I went over the wall at, you know, Daytona and Talladega and, and those really cool tracks. 
Uh, then oh, I kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, I, I stopped going over the wall after uh, Chicago. My catch can actually got stuck, and I didn't know that it could get stuck. Nobody bothered ever tell me that. <laughs> but um, thankfully, the my tire carrier, he heard me scream, and as the catch can passed him, he grabbed it, and it came out. So he kind of like saved me there. Um, so we didn't get a penalty or anything. We actually wound up winning the Super Speedway Championship by five points that year. Uh, not the yeah, the Super Speedway Championship with Matt Kurjewski driving. It was a '54 Arca car, so pretty happy, excited about that. Um, but yeah, that, that after I knew that that could skip, I got told Brian, I was like, I don't want to be the cause of anyone, you know, having a really bad day or anything. So I'm not going to do that no more. And uh, I stopped. Well, I started working at Premium Motorsports in 2017, and we were at Bristol. It rained, so we had a race on Monday, and we had Richmond on Friday. Um, so a lot of the guys went home because the Richmond car needed a lot of work. So and Scott Eggleston, he came to me. He's like, hey, he's like, I need you to you know, run fuel. He's like, you, you hung out with those kids, Lasky boys enough. He's like, you know, you, you can you could do it. I was like, OK, five suit goes back on. And I start, you know, running fuel and, you know, catching cans as they came back over the wall and then eventually handing them over the wall and, and starting to do all that. And um, it kind of led me, you know, to kind of like. When I worked in 2019, I worked at, for Carl Long at MBM Motorsports. We had four teams and one of the two cup teams pretty much every week. And, uh, yeah, we, we were kind of short staff. So me and my buddies, two of the teams at least, definitely on the 66. And then sometimes we would go down to the 35 and, you know, kind of do double double duty there. Um, but I, that's when I started doing all that. Um Started working at Starcom Racing in 2020. Yeah, and in 2021, my buddy Ben was, well, this this is kind of like a weird thing because it was like a whole week of, of my life completely changed into not even thinking about going over the wall to fuel can to, okay, I'm going to do this. So I went to my doctor and she's like, oh, you, you know, you got to start going to the gym. And I'm like, go to the gym. I was like, I go to the track every week. I walk like thousands and thousands of steps. I mean, I'm, I'm not in bad shape, you know? And um, she's like, it'll help you, you know, it'll help you overall, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I need a reason to go to the gym and learn how those little torture devices work because I really don't know how to do any of those. And um, a couple of days later, like my I have a friend of mine that's a financial advisor and he, he called me up and he's like, Hey, he's like, I have a client that needs help with a website. And, you know, I built, build webs. Would you be interested in talking to him? I was like, mm, sure. So I talked to him and, you know, he said, you know, help me build the website. I'll, I'll exchange, I'll, I'll train you and, you know, things like that. And I was like, really? I was like, all right, let's do this. So it, it just kind of was like the series of events. I was like, okay, I'm meant to do this or I'm meant to give this as good a shot as I possibly can. And so I started working out with them and training and I got, you know, wound up getting hooked on the gym and I, I'm now I'm in the gym like three, four times a week and, um, and, you know, going to pit practice since, you know, and, and wrangle these, these big cans and, and, and do it. So I'm finally at that point now where I, where I can, I can do it. I mean, I still need to improve and, and want to improve on, on doing it and getting quicker at it, but you know, I've, I've done quite a few races now and pretty proud of myself. 
Yeah. That's awesome. There, there, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's. There, there's a couple things in particular I, I, I want to bring up, and uh, I wonder if there's the David connection here. You mentioned going around meeting people and giving the picture. Mm-hmm. Was there was there ever a picture with David? And then the Absolutely. MBM connection. Were you and yep. were you and David around MBM at the same time too? What what's some possible connections with you guys? So I actually met David for the first time. I think it was 2009, and it was at I believe it was at Dover. And I took a picture with David. I do. I do have that. <laughs> you remember that, David? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Jen, I mean, somebody that has a lot of passion for the sport, man. She she's uh, she gets. I'm I'm proud of her, and uh, man, she's the probably one of the hardest working females. I. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. I think we lost David. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dom. We might have lost David there. But yeah, and and, and I know yeah. that you were talking before we got here on the show. I, what's your favorite David story? Do you have any cool interactions with David or any any interesting stories that maybe some of our fans would, would find quite entertaining? Um, I never really got to see him in the garage and you know, we always say hello and everything. Um, I've When I was worked at uh, MBM, if he had, you know, if he needed extra guests to come in, you know, call would would help him out as far as giving him some passes for for that, uh, letting his guests and sponsors come in. Um, so I would set that up for him. So I, I would talk to him directly, you know, about things like that. Um, but no, I mean, I like I said, I've never really worked, got the chance to work, really work with David, um, but. He's always been, you know, like sunshine in the garage. So he's, he's cool. I always like enjoy seeing him. So, so let me ask you this, Jen. What are, what are you up to nowadays? Uh, what's keeping you busy uh, in, in NASCAR as of late? Right. So I have a full-time job. I work at SRI Performance. Uh, I sell the race car parts that, you know, all the teams use um, all week long. I'm at the sales counter at SRI. It's, it's in Mooresville. And uh, after work, I'm either in the gym or at pit practice. And uh, on the weekends, I've been going to the track and, and you know, as of late, uh, helping uh, RSS Racing on the number 28 team. Uh, I've fueled a few races for them, and I've, you know, done some pit support for them as well and, and some road crewing. Um, I get the car, get one of the, the 28 car through tech and everything like that. So, it, so that's what I've been up to. Takes up all the time. <laughs> Oh, it sure does. Sounds like Tyler. Sounds like a lot of people in the NASCAR industry here, Jen. Were what? What's a day off, right? What? What's? Yeah. What's time off? What's a vacation? No, I don't. I don't have one of those. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get those. But yeah, Sundays I'm usually home, or like I get home early Sunday morning, and it's try to sleep a little bit and uh, do laundry and just get ready for the next week. Start over. Absolutely, yeah. and and oftentimes you hear too a lot of of NASCAR team members and a lot of people who work on these teams week to week travel the country that mm-hmm. even the off season is not necessarily some, some time off. So I'm imagining you you're probably right. be doing the stuff with SRI and probably still doing some training. If every minute is going to probably be accounted oh, yeah. for over the off season. Yeah. Basically what they call the off season, the off season, it, it's just off TV. <laughs> you know, everybody's just getting everything ready for Daytona. Um, 
you know, you got to, when the season starts, you got to have your Daytona car done. Your, what's the next one? Atlanta, right? We go Daytona, Atlanta, and then the West Coast. So you got to have all those cars ready to go before the season starts. And then when the crew gets to the West Coast, that's when everybody's like working on the cars, you know, ahead of time, you know, for, for the, for the races afterwards. So it really, is just a, it's just a cycle, you know, we're just not on TV. We're just not traveling, but there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, a lot of people get kind of mad and uh, like upset that, you know, for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas that they close for that week. Cause that's time that they could be working on the car and, you know, and doing stuff um, just to try to make it better and get, you know, be ahead of the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those countdowns are so true when they, when they get to Homestead. And I guess now mm-hmm. Phoenix at the end of the year. Oh, only 90 days till Daytona or 80 days till Daytona. It comes here pretty quick before you know it. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, yep. 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 Let me ask you this, Jen. You, you mentioned about uh, Brian and getting in the Daytona 500 and all that, but mm-hmm. your, your relationship with Brian goes beyond <laughs> out there at Daytona. Tell us about you and Brian here. Yeah, so um, like I said, I started out working for him, and like the last thing I wanted was a boyfriend. I was single. I was I was good, <laughs> and um, I kind of kind of no- noticed that he liked me or whatever. But I was like, nope, I came down here to work. That's it. I'm sticking to my guns. Um, but he's pretty persuasive, so uh, he used to come out with us. Uh, me and I used to work with uh, another guy, Cesario, Carvest Soul. Um, they we worked together. He was a gas man and. He worked with, with us down in uh, in Statesville. So we would always like wind up going out, you know, this place, that place, every night of the week, someplace, you know, to get dinner or something. And then listen, who's who's at the, usually it was at Duckworth on Tuesday nights. And there was good gossip going on down there. So everybody was like talking about what happened at the track and, you know, the week before and all that. So Brian's coming out with us and um, yeah, he, we went up, you know, and kind of, that was that never left. So <laughs> it sounds so crazy, but um, yeah, we kind of been together ever since. So I, I, I didn't see that coming. So, well, and, and you mentioned but, uh, and you guys being together, how, how did he pop the question? We got to ask you, David's always got a funny story. How he did it with Kim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh-huh. So this is this two, 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 uh, 2016. It was a Christmas night. And so we kind of talked about it. And um, I just didn't. He's So two weeks before Christmas, uh, I said to him, I was like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? He's like, oh, I want a PlayStation 4, 3, 4, whatever one it was. He's on PlayStation Four and um, I want this game and this. I was like, "What do you three? And he's like, "No, it's a good, it's a really cool thing." And and him and Brad were playing football on it and all that. I really didn't want anything. I didn't really know. So I just was joking. It's like a ring. He's like, "Okay." I was like, "Yeah, right. Let's go to Best Buy right now." So <laughs> we did. I went to Best Buy. I bought all the stuff. And um, I was like, "All right, two weeks. I get that ring." He's like, "Okay, yeah, no problem." I'm like, "Okay." Really never thinking it was coming. And sure enough, you know, Christmas Day comes and we went to Brad's house for, for dinner and, and that was cool. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, Brad's on the lake. I thought it'd be a nice place to to ask, right? Nothing. I was like, okay, okay. I waited all day, all night. So we go home and I'm like, okay, I didn't say nothing. And he's playing his game. And I'm like, okay. 
So I walked over and I was like, hey, uh, by the way, thanks for the Christmas gift. And I kind of like biffed him off the top of the head. And I went, you know, bathroom, changed my clothes and all that. So I come back out and he's like leaning on my side of the bed. And, and I was like, I was like, wow. Yeah. He makes fun of the way I talk because of my accent. So he's like, he pulls out this box and I'm like, no way. <laughs> That's not, not what exactly what I said, but I was like, no. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, here, you want this? And I'm like, that's not how you're going to do this. That's if you're going to do this, you're going to do it right. That's not how, that's not how you're going to ask me. He's like, I'm not good at this mushy stuff. I was like, well, neither am I. I said, <laughs> I said, but you're going to do it right. So he's like, fine. So, um, yeah, he opened it up and he, you know, he asked me, like, you know, will you marry me? I was like, holy crap. I was like, that's all I could say for the next half hour was like, holy crap. But he was really excited. He wanted to keep the box because when you open up the box, the box lit up. That was kind of cool. So I was like, you can have the box. <laughs> I think he still has it. Um, but yeah, we, we got engaged, but we um, we never really got married. You know, we, we kind of just put it off. I'm, I really didn't ever think that would be something that I would do anyway. So we kind of prioritized it. It was like, well, let's buy a house. So, you know, we've got four dogs and we've got the house and we kind of already were together. So it's like, eh, we're good. <laughs> so we, we just kind of kind of stayed, you know, we're just engaged. So we're good. And that's it. <laughs> what's uh, yeah. what's Brian doing nowadays? Um, right now, Brian is the crew chief on a TA2 team for Nitro Motorsports owned by Nick Tucker. And uh, he's uh, the number 90 car and the driver is Thomas Annunziata. And they're pretty competitive. And he's, he's pretty happy doing that. Um, eventually, he would really like to... Uh, get back into NASCAR and, and do some, he's done some spotting this year and he's, he's really good at that. And so, you know, if, if things work out, he would probably like to um, doing what he's doing as a crew chief on the TA2 side. Now for the latest headlines in the sport, Dominic Aragon takes it away. Dom, what do we got going this week? Well, another week down towards the off season, another week of the off season, silly season, whatever you want to call it is all put together. We know that Chandler Smith will not be returning to colleague racing for the 2024 season. It was announced late last week that colleague racing is going to forego Chandler Smith and allow him out of his contract early. Joe Gibbs Racing will be picking up Chandler Smith for 2024 and beyond. Tyler looks like it originally was a multi-year deal, looked like a three-year deal, getting bought out. But the bigger question here, I've got to wonder, Tyler, is – Okay, we have Chandler Smith now leaving. Seemed like he was one of the leading candidates for that 16 cup ride. Seeing some <clears throat> pastors at Joe Gibbs Racing. So there, there's there's some questions that still need to be answered with the colleague camp. And they haven't even announced the driver of the 16 for 2024. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting situation. And with Chandler Smith, the grass isn't always greener. He goes back to Toyota where he was familiar with, where he started. I think that uh, he wanted to return back to what he knew and where he had success early in his career. So uh, all in all, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised that, that Chandler Smith made this move. David Chandler Smith, uh, very talented race car driver. Didn't necessarily work out at college, but I would expect him to go to Gibbs uh, and do a good job in their Xfinity car next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Have the, have the opportunity to, to go to, to join Joe Gibbs racing on the Xfinity side, uh, Chandler Smith. I think, uh, I think he's going to have a great year next year. And, uh, you know, being back with Toyota, the manufacturer that he had a lot of success with, 
uh, prior to going to colleagues, uh, you know, I just look for good things for him next year. And, uh, man, uh, it don't get much better than that, you know. So uh, good luck to him, and uh, hopefully we'll see him in victory lane next year. Uh, Jen, let's get your thoughts. Uh, what's kind of your reaction to uh, the uh, Chandler Smith news here? I mean, I mean, it's good for him. That's that's great. Anytime you get a chance to move up, take it. But um, I think he'll do really well. Yeah. Um, and in the case, Dom, of uh, college racing, of trying to figure out their situation, A.J. Allmendinger wants to stay in the Cup Series. He got the win at the Roval a couple weeks ago. Top five this week at Homestead. He's making a strong case to keep that ride if uh, if they'll if they'll let him. If they'll let him, I think he's in the back of their conference room saying, "Hey, remember me? I'm the guy that won all your Xfinity races and your two Cup <laughs> wins. I'm still here. I still want to run that 16 car." He is making a very strong case, and, and we know momentum is really a factor in this sport. It's very real, and if if you can knock off good finishes like this, that's only going to pump up the driver and the team as they prep their cars going into or. <laughs> You got to imagine, Tyler, he's making a great case to stay in that car. Yeah, they didn't make the playoffs, but you can still have momentum going into 2020. <laughs> David, uh, AJ, he says he wants to stay in Cup. He's won this year. He ran well this past week. If he gets another shot, uh, I don't think Kyle would regret it. I, I think that he could get that car in the playoffs. <clears throat> yeah, no no doubt about it. AJ's done a tremendous job. Uh, great race car driver. Kind of interesting that uh, that they're even taking him out of the Cup car. You know, uh, you know that obviously we we did not hear who was replacing him, but uh, but AJ's so talented, and like you said, one he's won already uh, at the Roval, and then to back it up with a uh, fifth place finish here this past weekend at Homestead, Miami Homestead, uh, very capable. I don't really understand. It might be. Just a, uh, you know, it might be a, a sponsor. You know, there might have been a driver that was bringing a lot of uh, funding with him, sponsor-wise, maybe family money. But to me, uh, it only makes sense to keep A.J. Amendinger in that 16 car. They have a lot of momentum, and they could definitely build on it for next year. And if they did do that, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't make uh, the, the playoffs because he's been strong this year. Yeah, definitely so. <laughs> Uh, Dominic, what else going on? Before we move on to everyone's favorite segment, Ask David, of course, we got to preview Martinsville and take a little bit of a deeper dive. And your opening race odds for the 2023 Xfinity 500, your cutoff race for the round of eight before we get to the round of four, we're going to go through your eight playoff guys, and we'll take a look at some select drivers as well. But opening odds for the Xfinity 500, of all the drivers who are still eligible to make the championship four, Chris Buescher opening odds at 22 to one Christopher Bell, who's already locked into the championship at 20 to one who has won at Martinsville in the past. I might add too. last year's winner of this race, Tyler Reddick at 15 to one Ryan Blaney, 12 to one Martin Tricks jr. On the outside, looking in a former winner at Martinsville sitting at nine to one William Byron above the cut line at 15 to two. So about seven and a half to one Kyle Larson, who's locked into the championship for at seven to one and a multi-winner your odds on favorite opening odds at 11 to four. So about 3.75 to one Denny Hamlin. Now I got to add two Tyler Ross Chastain is at 40 to one, but the odds of seeing a hell melon type pass virtually nothing. Yeah. Would it be legal if uh, that happens again? Uh, 
Jen, uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Martinsville this weekend? Who, who, who's the name uh, you're keeping eyes on potentially get a win here? I mean, I would like to see Ross win because I used to work with him. So I know him pretty well, and he's he deserves it. He, he's went through a lot to to get to where he's at. You know, he's he's driven for teams that you know that weren't uh, that weren't top teams. So he's worked his way up there. So yeah, I definitely like to see his success. Um, but Denny Hamlin's got a great shot. He's very good at Martinsville, so you can never count him out there. Well, and, and David, that leads me to the next point here. Uh, Denny with his back against the wall. Uh, pretty much needs a win to secure a spot this next round. We've seen him have clutch moments all season long, racing with nothing to lose here. He's won a lot at Martinsville over the years. Uh, I- I'm watching for that 11 car. Denny Hamlin uh, is is going to go all out here. And last year, <clears throat> uh, thought he was going to advance. Uh, and then Hell Mellon had something to say about that. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. And uh, I, uh, you know, you uh, you look for Denny Hamlin to have a great run. You know, obviously he's backs up against the wall, so he he needs to try to get a victory if he can. Uh, I don't know what you know mathematically. What if he if he doesn't win, if he can make it in? I don't know. Uh, I don't have the points right here in front of me, but uh, but definitely you can't count Denny Hamlin out. Y'all know that he's so strong there over the years. I think he has three or four victories already. And uh, we wouldn't be surprised to see Den- Denny Hamlin as Joe Gibbs racing team back in victory lane and put him in, in the uh, in the chef chip run at there at Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, Dominic. Uh, let's start with you. Who uh, who wins on Sunday? I would be crazy to not pick the following driver who I have been high on all throughout 2023 on winning the championship to winning various races, and he's come through time and time again. There's something different. And even with his back against the wall and even being the odds on favorite, there's just something about Denny Hamlin and Bobby Allison and all the comparisons to winning a title late in his career. Denny Hamlin's going to get it done in the Xfinity 500 in advance to Phoenix this weekend, Tyler. I like Denny as well. I like Byron to advance. Uh, and that'd be your championship four when it's all said and done. You, you think Byron advances, right? Absolutely. I'm not going to be four for four. Christopher Bell kind of ruined that, but I'll be three for four if those two make it from our, our pre-playoff picks. Jen, uh, who who wins this weekend? Does your guy Ross uh, get the win here? I would like to see that. I definitely would like to see him, him do that, but um, I, I don't know. It's, it's pretty close. I mean, every, all those guys out there are pretty well, you know, they, they deserve to. Yeah. Oh, yes, deserve, you know, so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Ross. <laughs> okay. David, uh, how about you here? Uh, can Denny win in advance here? Well, uh, you know, I, I would like to see. Uh, I think Denny Denny's back's up against the wall. He has nothing to lose. He's going to go for it. I think we'll see Denny Hamlin and Victory Lane there in Martinsville. Uh, one more thing in the news and notes side I want to bring up here real quick, uh, in particular for David's attention, uh, news coming out on Monday this week that – uh, Tony Stewart's all, all-star circuit of champions was acquired by High Limit Sprint Car Series, which is owned by Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson. David, I, I know you you love dirt track racing, love getting out anytime you can. Uh, Tony Stewart did a great job with that all-star series, and we've seen Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet do a really good job with, with the, the High Limit circuit here. Uh, the All-Star Series in good hands and uh, with, with Kyle Larson company taking over. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this because 
what we've seen in dirt racing with with Larson and Tony Stewart and others involved here has really done a, a good job of promoting dirt racing as a whole. And that only should continue with Kyle Larson taking over for Tony here. Yeah, no doubt about it. I uh, I took my boys uh, Saturday night. We went to Devilsville Speedway, a half mile uh, dirt track here in Mesquite, Texas, uh, the home where uh, the World of Outlaws started in 1978, I believe. And uh, it's rumored that Devil's Bowl had announced that this would be their last night of racing. Uh, the property was sold and the World of Outlaws were there. So we went out and I got to really I got to visit with Brad, uh, Brad Sweet and, and, and Casey Kane separately for uh, about 30 minutes each. And it was interesting, you know, I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, and uh, it was just kind of cool to sit down and talk to him. And, man, we had a lot of conversations about what you're talking about, Tyler, and about Tony Stewart and the All-Star Series. And uh, and then what would uh, Kyle Larson and, and Brad were doing in the future, you know. So uh, it's uh, a lot of excitement there. Uh, I think the World of Outlaws will have a, a great competitor uh and uh uh and i think uh you know sprint car uh racing in the future is going to be big it was a sold out crowd a hell of a race and uh, i'm excited about what cal arson and uh, brad sweet are going to be doing i think it's going to be great for the sport yeah yeah certainly so uh before we wrap up our ask david segment where we ask you guys to submit questions to us on uh facebook and Twitter at Star Podcast. Also by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. And we answer your questions for both David and Jen uh, that you guys have submitted this week. And uh, we'll begin with uh, our first question. This one in the inbox from Tito. And Tito writes in, Jen, what is the best part about working on pit road? Um, just everybody that I work with and like all my friends, I kind of consider all the guys on pit road, my family. Um, it's, I just love being there. I love, I love being able to do what I do. That's the best part of it. Being able to do it. David, uh, the camaraderie, uh, the, the team aspect of the sport is, is so much fun. I mean, when, when you're getting to work with, with people like Jen and others here, I mean, uh, I don't know how much people realize here that how much of a team you you guys are as, as a whole and, and really just enjoying the weekend together, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, just all the racing teams and just like Jen saying, all her her family and her friends that are that are working on the different teams. Uh, you know, it's it's a small community, really. It's such a big sport, but a small community. And yeah. everybody kind of looks out for each other. And uh man, Jen has just done a tremendous job. I love seeing her. Uh, work on these racing teams, fuel these race cars, and she's just done so much for so many teams, and and really enhanced anywhere she's ever been. But uh, but definitely uh, it's a it's a camaraderie. I mean, it's a family. Even though I mean, competition. You know, when the when the green flag waves and the race starts, we we're at war with each other with different teams. You know, what I mean, but once that checker flag uh, waves and we 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 crown our winner of that race. Um, we, we all, we're all family again, and we're still family during the race, but, you know, we're all hired to do what we love to do and that's to compete and to do the best at, at, at our ability, uh, whether you're we changing a tire, fuel in a race car, engineering a car, crew chief, and, or any aspect of, of our sport. 
you know, we, we, uh, we made it to the top level and, uh, you know, these, these racing teams, they, uh, they pay us a lot of money to, to do what we're uh, experienced at. And again, you know, when the race starts, I always say, Hey, we go to war, but the war ends when that checker five waves and we're all one big family, you know? And, uh, and, you know, sometimes you see tempers flare and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's called passion. Uh, but, uh, but man, all in all, it's, it's a family sport. We're all close. We all care for each other. We, we know each other. We've all probably worked with once, you know, with each other once, uh, you know, we, I don't know. We just, it's just a tight knit community and, uh, it's, it, it definitely does feel like family, you know what I mean? It's cool that it works that way. Uh, definitely. Dominic, uh, from the experience you guys, you, you and I have had at the racetrack and, and, and that family aspect, you know, friend of the show, Maggie Fix, who's probably listening right now. Hey, Maggie. Uh, I remember her saying when we were all at Texas Motor Speedway, running into David and me and you and Matt Jennings and Carl Long and, you know, everybody. It's like a family reunion of some sorts, you know, like we all just see each other once again and, and, and that's a, a very real thing. I mean, you go from one hauler to the next, one pit stall to the next, and there's somebody you hadn't seen in a while and meeting mm-hmm. together like it's old friends. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter what race I go to or what what part of the country. You walk pit road pre-race, you're going to run into somebody, you know. Or, hey, how's the kids? Or, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Where are you up to? And just just that genuineness and, and, and getting to see people you haven't seen in a long time. That's the cool part about going to the racetrack. You know you're going to run into people that – you frequently see people you haven't seen in a while. People you didn't even know were going to be going to the racetrack. And it, it is such a cliche, but the cliche couldn't be farther from the truth. But how NASCAR is a family sport. A wise man, Tyler, who co-hosts the show once said when his racing days are over, he is still going to be able to visit and, and see all these people, all these friendships that he's made across his lifetime for the rest of his life. Go to different parts of the country and see people, hang out with them, go have dinner with them, stay at their place and vice versa. This sport really does build a lot of long, lifelong friendships and, and relationships. And, and it's really cool to see that play out. I've met a lot of people at this sport, including all three of you. And there's just that's just three examples of different people you meet along the way and some lifelong friendships and some really cool people you meet. Yeah, it's yeah, a very good point. Uh, next question in the inbox comes from Jeff. And Jeff wants to know, Jen, is there anything else that you'd like to try it on the pit crew sometime? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've um, Brian did a late model race uh, back in '15, and I I was the Jack woman, and um, that was a one and done kind of thing. Um, but I'll never forget it. I um, I got the car up on the right side just fine, and then come around to the left side with him in it, and I literally was like all four off the ground, just trying to get that Jack to go down, and I I couldn't get it to go down to save my life. And then Brian's dad comes up behind me and he puts his hand on my back and shows me to the ground and I cut all my fingers and everything. It was, <laughs> it was like, now I'm not doing that no more, <laughs> but um, we got the car up, but it was a two team, two person effort right there. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to stick with the fuel stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I've always said, Jen, like if I was working on the pit crew, I, I, I would want your job. You, I think you got the best one of the, uh, being being the gas man or, or gas woman in your case, like to me, that would be the the most fun uh, of of those. I don't know how people 
realize like those Sunoco racing fuel cans are massive. That's like what, 96 pounds or something? Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. 90, anything from like 91 to like 97. <laughs> Sometimes a little more if they overfill it, but hopefully it's it's within that range. Okay. Yeah, that's a sweet hey, they uh not only is it one of the most coolest jobs but it's probably the probably the most dangerous job as well so yeah try not to think about that yeah <laughs> and you got that apron on right yeah it's, i have a lot of stuff on yeah, yeah and a helmet and everything else helmet yeah, yeah you can't see you can hardly see me at all completely covered up <laughs> David, David, I, I know your dad was a crew chief. Uh, have you worked all the roles on a pit crew? Man, you know, I I have over the years. You know, not a crew chief, but uh, you know, I uh, I have been part of the pit crews my early years, and uh, you know, one of the things I want to say, just you know, whether you're a gas woman like Jen is, or you're a jackman, or a tire carrier, or a tire changer or a mechanic on the racing team or the engineer or the crew chief or the person that runs and gets the fuel, no matter what position that you have currently or have had, the most, com the most common thing that I love about everybody's role, everybody takes pride and they're proud of what they're doing and they do it at the best of their ability, you know, and it's just yeah. really cool, uh, you know, and, and, and really in our sport of NASCAR racing, there's no I in team, you know, everybody's got to do their job. Every job is important. And, uh, you know, if Jen doesn't, you know, hit that gas the way it needs to be hit, get that, her, her race car filled up, uh, in a timely matter, the jack man don't get that thing jacked up quick enough, you know, just every person on the racing team, their role is, is important to the, to the recipe of having a successful race, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I love that aspect of a pit crew, you know, and, and, um, you know, I just, I love the passion that everybody has, you know, and a lot of times the crew chiefs, engineers and the drivers, maybe team owners get a lot of the notoriety, but man, you cannot have a successful organization, a successful racing team and successful races without the team aspect of everybody doing what they're hired to do. And it just makes it's what makes it, you know, a race, you know, makes it a successful race. If, if you're messing with those cre uh, key ingredients of somebody that's on a pit crew, no matter what that role is, I mean, it, it could, uh, if they're not doing their job at the highest level, then, you know, the racing team could suffer, you know? So uh, I just, one of the things I love about our sport is the passion that every pit crew member Pit crew woman, everybody has. It's it's pretty cool to see and be involved with. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Jen, if you were to put Dominic on a pit crew, uh, what, what would he, what would his assigned task or role be? Um, how tall are you, Dom? Five foot ten. Five <laughs> ten. You'd probably make a good jack, a jack man. All right. Or a carrier. So okay, cool. All right. Well, what do I need to start training then for those specific spots? Well, what would I? What's the first thing I need to do tomorrow morning when I hit the gym? Oh, <laughs> total body workout every day. <laughs> you need every muscle in your body to like to perform. It's it's not easy. It's really not. You know, no. like there's no real easy job on any any part of the pit crew. It's it's all pretty difficult. You know, tire changes got to be able to like bend those knees really good and and 
jump on them. Like if I would have probably do that, probably break my knee. I don't, I, I'm not built for tire changing, you know? Um, but yeah. So if you're, if you're shorter, st- shorter, maybe a little stockier, you, you'd be a great tire changer, but taller people usually guess, you know, guess people or, or Jack, Jack man. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Dominic, get ready. Uh, your time's coming. <laughs> My whole training on this podcast has come down to this, guys. I'm ready. Yeah. All David, right. David, uh, of the people you've worked with on the pit crew over the years and everything, I mean, it's everybody's got a fascinating story. I mean, you got a lot of former athletes, a lot of former football players. Uh, I mean, that, you know, they're, they're the most athletic people around. Like, they're, you know – they come from all walks of life and and are working hard all throughout the week to, to do their job uh, come Saturday or Sunday. No doubt, no doubt about it, man. The athleticism of of every pit crew member, and and like you said, Tyler, uh, you know you will see a ton of former college football uh, greats, uh, uh, NFL former NFL players that played for the Miami Dolphins or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Dallas Cowboys. I'm always amazed uh, if you have a little bit of time just to visit with the different pit crew members and, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, ask them where they're from, you know, how they got involved in the sport, where they went to college at, you know, and, and, and if you, if you ever have free time to talk to some of these uh, men and women that, 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 that crew these race cars, they're fascinating stories, you know, and, um, you know, and man, you, you look at them and talk to them you're like, man, these are very strong athletic, uh, men and women that, that can get the job done, you know? And, uh, and, and again, like you were saying, lots of them and Jen, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'd have to say it's more than 50% of the men and women that are, are that are changing tires or jacking these cars, Maybe more uh, more men than what I'm talking about here right. that that are played on NFL teams. It's amazing how many oh, yeah. NFL football players are now working on these racing teams. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I got the chance to work with um, Marshall McFadden um, when I was at Starcom Racing, and in 2020 he was the gas man, and in 2021 he was the jack man. But for that whole year in 2020, he was throwing you know fuel cans at me, and I, I caught him. But yeah, he was on the he was on the Raiders, the Rams, I believe. Yeah, he was, and, and it's easy to spot the football guys because they're huge. I mean, they are just yes. tremendous human beings. It's like amazing. But um, but yeah, they they're really really good at what they do. Yeah, and you know, just because they're football. Career comes to an end because of lots of injuries. They had an injury this, injury that, mm-hmm. but uh, but man, that 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 competition, you know, that still competing and mm-hmm. and and NASCAR is just man, it, it's a great fit and they love it. You know, they yeah. that that energy, that energy and that atmosphere of performing under pressure and and getting something done right. Uh, these guys, they eat it up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, before we go, Jen, appreciate the time. Where can uh, people find you and, and uh, catch up with all you're doing? Sure. Um, so you can visit my website. It's infieldgen.com. Um, I turn fans into sponsors. I have these awesome fan sponsorship packages uh, for Xfinity and the truck series right now. Um, 
sign up and you get to come to a race of your choice. You get to be on, you know, pit road for the pre-race summer, all that fun stuff, meet the drivers and um, have an absolutely fantastic weekend. Um, so yeah, I could, I do all that. And then you can find me on social media, just Google infill gen, everything pops up and it, um, it's really easy to find and really accessible. That's awesome. Awesome. Love it. That's <laughs> great to see. Uh, Jen, what's, uh, what, what's going on with you uh, over the next, uh, couple days? Are you making your way to Martinsville? Yep. Yep. I will so be with the 28 team, um, road crew with, with them on Friday and I will, I'm not sure if I'm going over the wall with them or if I'm just, uh, handing cans over the wall, but whatever it is, I'll be there and I might possibly go with them to Phoenix. I'll find that out next week. Awesome. That's yeah. great. Uh, yeah. what's going on with you? Yeah, I'll be staying home this weekend before we get ready to go to the NASCAR championship weekend in Phoenix in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a lot of fun, but I'll help our team cover remotely. We're going to have two photographers on the ground in Martinsville with our Eric Messer and Kyle Stevens. Always solid work. They help us get our work done while Jonathan Field, friend of the show, Joseph Igo, and myself will cover remotely. So we'll we'll have all hands on deck in Martinsville and out of there. Very cool. David, uh, what's your weekend look like, man? Man, I'm excited to watch uh, all the NASCAR racing for Martinsville, Virginia, getting ready for a uh, – we got about three racing re- – we got three events next year in the week, next week uh, at the Texas Motor Speedway. And then hopefully I'll be headed to Phoenix to race in the Xfinity race. So uh, hopefully that all works out. I love it. I love it. Definitely uh, looking forward to that. I'll be uh... – Join a nice weekend uh, here in Dallas. Uh, should be good weather and everything, and uh, and just watching the race, and should be a lot of fun with that. So, appreciate everybody for uh, hanging out with us, uh, Jen. Thanks for coming ba- coming on the show. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, Thank you. And, uh, looking forward to talking to you down the line. Thank you, the listener, for joining us. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to show new episodes out each and every week on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five star review, or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on uh, social media, at Star Podcast, on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Also uh, by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us there. For Enfield Jen, David Starr, Dominic Aragon, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.